You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan and Bram Conley. Well, the reason I wanted to talk about it is because I think there's transferable skills from the military to civilian life. And dependent on how long you're in the military depends on how many of those skills you have, I guess, or how, how developed those skills are. I mean, I'm obviously finding myself more and more going down the path of life coaching as part of my entrepreneurial stuff than anything else. It's, it's people, especially young men that haven't joined the military yet, seem to look in my direction for direction. <laughs> you know, so We talked about this a long time ago on early podcasts when we were doing live shows, and we haven't really touched on it a whole lot since, but definitely around transferable skills and what you bring away as a member of the military, regardless of what country you come from, and coming back into the private sector, there are a lot of skills, traits, ethos, whatever, that you're going to bring to the table that are not necessarily found within the private sector by individuals who've not served in the military. Well, when I came out of the military, I started working a lot with government contracted organizations who were exposing me as well to the private sector through the Chamber of Commerce, uh, those types of things locally. And what I began to find through those experiences is that the people that I was talking to were, were really no different than what I was bringing to the table. And I found certain strengths that I carried through this type of communication. Things like project management was a major piece of it. I mean, we did many projects and any type of mission that you did when you start thinking about writing op order and actually having to follow through, make sure proper communication is done at all levels, make sure everybody's on board, make sure everybody's assigned a specific submission or subcomponent of that, make sure all elements that are supporting the project or the mission are uh, available, understand what their roles and responsibilities are, what the timing of events is going to be, and then, of course, executing it and bringing it to fruition. And what I found is that that skill alone was very much needed within the private sector. So I started using that to my advantage. And for, for me, it made an easier transition because once I started embracing that as a strength, then I started using that to my advantage more and more within the, the workplace. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Using using that, you know, understanding the military appreciation process and then how to construct, you know, orders, which is just in the civilian world is just guidance to get tasks done is important. I remember my first job out of the military and I did it primarily to um, to have that, you know, that small gap before I looked for something more meaningful, but I worked for a services company and a consultancy and I would go to some of the meetings. We would have these meetings with all the different, um, the different elements of the company and people would just talk and they'd come up with all these great ideas. Then the meeting would finish and, you know, I'd look around the room and as an ex-Special Forces major, I'd be thinking to myself, well, who's been assigned any of these tasks? No right. one. We've just all talked for an hour and a half. Now we're going to get up and walk away. And yet no one has shown not, – it's not that there wasn't any leadership. It's the fact that there was no leadership with accountability. So there was people trying to guide it, but they were too terrified of giving someone a task 
I remember then going back and reading, uh, I think it was from, it was either Wharton or Harvard or, or, or one of those papers, which was um, Who's Got the Monkey? And it was about, you know, the monkey on the on your back. It's a great paper if you haven't read it. You no, should, I haven't read that. I look it up. Read, yeah. Look, look it up. Yeah. And it's it's all about someone walking into an office, giving someone else a task, and then that person shifting the task back to the other person through excuses. And that's what was happening in this room is everyone was shirking, doing anything, and they just walked away and we finished the meeting and I was like, I was, well, none of this, none of these things are going to be done. Right. You know? Well, that's when I found when, as I started getting out of the military and working as a consultant for a life sciences company, I, I started taking on initially a role, a lot of project management work within human resources and those types of things. And when it came time for my contract to be up, the uh, the CEO of the company mentioned to me, you know, that he really enjoyed the the time that I've spent there, the work that I've done. Thought I did a great job, but unfortunately, they won't be renewing my contract. And he said, "But you know, I, I wish there was a place here for you. I'd love to have you." And I go, "Well, a- actually, there is. It's it's all this stuff that you've got going on that no one's." managing i mean nobody's leading this stuff so it kind of goes along with what you were saying that everybody comes up with great ideas but nobody follows through nobody takes on those initiatives nobody does those projects and that's what i mentioned to him that you need somebody to head this up and lead the projects he said well in my own experience i found that people actually took on roles as project leaders but they never wanted to close the project you know will you close it and i go yeah i have no problem closing the project a project's supposed to have an end I mean, a beginning and an end, and that I'd had no problem doing it. He goes, what do you mean, like a project manager? And I go, no, like a director of project management. Yeah. So I created well, the title and the whole the whole bit along the process. Well, that that just got me back to thinking that the second job that I took after I left, which I did a, a year at before we moved overseas, was um, in a crisis management company, a really successful company that was owned by an ex-special forces guy and it was all of the um well all the staff were ex-military and one of the things i really enjoyed about working in that company was the fact that they were all they were all leaders but they'd all been led as well mm-hmm. so they could not only i think some of the best leaders are those guys who or and girls that that have been led before and they un, they understand they understand what it is to be led and then they understand how to lead from that as opposed to just going through a company structure and always being in a leadership position and never actually having to do some of the hard work. And I think that's a real advantage that, you know, military personnel have when they come into middle to senior management is they've, they understand what it's like to be led. So they make better decisions as leaders, I think. No, I agree with you. And I think that one of the things that we bring to the table, I believe it was... Uh, couple of podcasts ago, I can't remember who it was that mentioned it, but one of the things that we bring to the table is those leadership skills that let's face it on the private sector, unless you're working for an organization that is probably not only large in terms of size and revenue and profits, but also in people to where they would have a large enough human resources department that's focused on training leadership actually i think it was tom moore that brought this up and so when you're an individual that spent time within the military at least longer than say five to six years 
in the U.S., you've gone through some kind of leadership academy or a leadership school to get promoted to that that level where you're actually becoming right. more of a leader. And so if you bring just that alone and the experience that you had for a couple years thereafter, you've got more experience in leadership than many of the people who came right out of school and started working yeah. within the private sector. Yeah, 100%. And then if you then if you then put on top of that multiple deployments to Afghanistan where they're dealing with, you know, the local police force and the local military and they, and they might even have a, you know, a platoon or a company or a battalion that's augmented by you know, indigenous force or whatever, however you want to describe them. You're now talking about leaders who are able to work across teams that have so much variation, you know, not just male and female, but now you've got non-English speaking, right? you know, soldiers and you're working through interpreters and you've got all of those facets of diversity that comes with it. And the problem solving that that then entails, it makes just makes for a better, more rounded leader in the long run, I think. Not just that, but you're also having to build relationships. And that let's face oh, it, that's what a lot of the networking right. and moving through the private sector is about as well, is establishing those relationships, building trust, instilling, you know, the integrity within the product or services that you're providing, and then sharing that with the client or customer base so that they understand what you're trying to do and they believe in how you're trying to support them or provide them a good or service. Yeah, and I think if you've done that successfully and then you're able to go into the private sector or, or even the public, you know, outside of the, the military into the public sector and then have a meaningful job where you're able to have a, a good mentor above you. Those experiences, that, that mentor would be able to see those experiences and would, would be able to understand that you, you come with that experience and would, would make you a better leader in the long run. Yeah, totally. Well, you think it's about... experiences. It's definitely the experiences, those that... You know, th those rich experiences through the military training and the deployments that make for a, you know, a good leader. You think about all the other skills that you're bringing to the table, too. I mean, we mentioned things like not just leadership, but the project management capabilities, the, the trust, the integrity. But you're also bringing in uh, traits that are not always shared or taught within the private sector. I mean... Parents have to instill certain traits within an individual to create someone who thinks and believes in certain ways. I mean, when you think about what we do for a military person, we actually bring them into basic training, take away their civilian thoughts and kind of rebuild them all over again. And so yeah. when, when we're coming out, you've got to shift gears the opposite direction, but you can't forget who you are while you were in there because there was a ton of information and a ton of training of these traits and things that were built into you along the way that are not always things that somebody who was in the private sector ever was exposed to. No. And, you know, when you've, when you've had that basic training and then that more advanced training, you've then had those people with inside a chain of command, they've already learned how that chain of command works. So it allows for better two-way communication. I mean, there's plenty of civilians that are brilliant at this stuff. There's no doubt yeah, about that. Yeah. But, but the fact of the matter is that when you're talking about all the people who've been in the military and the fact that that system, they've had a systems-based training approach. So, that, you know, they come with all these things pre-packaged almost, you know, and especially if you think about the fact that they've worked in task-orientated teams, 
So they've been inside these teams, they've had responsibilities, they've been given missions, and they've had to take these things to end state. So I'm talking now more about, you know, the other ranks really, other than the, than the, than the officers. So they've all got these, you know, pre-designated roles and, and tasks, and they understand where they fit inside that chain of command. And so when they go into the, when they leave the military and go into the private sector, they're pretty quickly able to find their niche and understand how people work around them. Almost like they can swim in their lane, but guess what? They can come across to your lane as well if they have to. That's a great point because, I mean, in a lot of cases, military personnel, if they start looking at what their skill set was within the military, the thing that was their MOS, military occupational specialty or whatever, you might find that even within that, you're kind of still a jack of all trades because we have to be within the military. We have to be very flexible. We have to be able to adapt to certain situations. And so you might actually be skilled, let's say, within electronics, but you might learn other areas that support the electronics, whether they're the inputs or suppliers or the customer base of what you're doing, so that you actually end up being a more well-rounded individual within the military, because in some cases you may not have those individuals by your side, you know, all these different things. So in the private sector, some cases they become very focused, very myopic in their training and their skills and in their learning. So they don't seem to see the bigger picture and to see yeah. how all these pieces fit together. And yeah. so as an individual being yeah. kind of a jack of all trades, you're able to be a little bit more general, but you're also able to adapt if you need to be, to be also siloed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, I've been meaning, I've been thinking about it the whole time while you were speaking is the, the, the thing that I truly believe that military people should be really proud of is their ability to embrace the suck. Yeah. You know, they're able to, get handed a shitty situation and they'll either find humor in it or they'll, they'll just roll with whatever is dealt to them. And that, that comes from, that comes from working long shifts, working out in the elements under adversity, you know, in the, in the jungle or on boats or in the deserts and just shitty conditions. And then they're able to put, put the environmental factors to the side and just, focus on the task at hand and I think that's something that military people really need to see is when they leave when they leave the military they need to see that as a really great advantage that they have because they're not soft even even you know not even close <laughs> so yeah. I think it's a, that's a great trait in our case I mean it really was decisions that were made more in a life or death situation we're, we're talking about general business here there is nothing that we're doing that is a life or death situation. And it was easy for for me and others who served in the military to be able to kind of calm the masses and just say, there's nothing that we're dealing with that is really this stressful or should be this stressful. But I think too, though, it can be a disadvantage for individuals coming out off active duty because I think sometimes they think they've dealt with the adversity and embraced the suck so much that anything that the private sector throws at them, they can handle. And the civilian mm. world is much different. It, mm. it may not be rainy days out in the mud. It may not be bullets flying at you and everything else, but there's a different type of maneuvering that you've got to do within the private sector in order to survive. There's a different type right. of communication. There's a different type of culture that you're walking into. And just right. like you would in any type of military situation where you're walking into a different culture and a different environment, you better be able to assess that ahead of time and understand how to blend in as opposed to trying to buck 
the system because you'd rather do it your way. It, it's a reconditioning, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so there's almost that requirement to sort of tread lightly and, you know, big ears, little mouth, just sort of work out where you are before you, you know, work out the situation. Yeah, that's tough. I think that the with, with what we talked about, um, with you explaining that, you know, you're not in a life or death situation being in the boardroom, um, you know, or, or any sort of business, but an, an area that is a strength would be the ability to triage that stimulus. And I've, I've talked to you about that before, the, the ability for military people to look at multiple stimulus coming in and then work out what's important and what's not important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that works as well on the private sector. You know, you can you can have multiple tasks. You can have people asking for all sorts of things to be to be done um, of you. And really, I think one of those skills, if you've got that triage of stimulus skills, that you're able to look at all these different um, things that are being asked of you, and then work out what's important and what's not. So you're sort of like juggling juggling crystal balls and letting the you know, rubber ones bounce, so to speak. You know, I didn't find that everybody in the military, at least within the army that I served with, had that type of capability or trait. I tell you what, um, I tell you what traits there are for individual traits, though, for people coming out of the military is hygiene. Like military, <laughs> military people are, are good at staying clean because we've been dirty. <laughs> yeah, you know, so they understand how to stay clean, and then you've got the whole. Well, well, nearly everyone's been trained to a higher level of um, medical ability than your general civilian, which is which is always a good thing, you know, to understand how to do first aid at that sort of intermediate level. Um, and then you can't discount the fact that we all have to iron our clothes. <laughs> so not just so you know it's you know, and I'm not going to get there's there's no there's no gender. Um, roles here in the military. It's just like you've got an iron, regardless of who you are. Guess what? You're ironing your clothes in basic training, and then you're ironing your clothes for, you know, for parades and the like. And then, you know, I mean that that aside, I'm obviously making a bit of a joke about the fact that, you know, military people are good at keeping clean. They'll they'll always look presentable, and they understand, you know, the best part of the intermediate first aid. But re- realistically, when you look at a military person going into the private sector or, or anyone who leaves the military, my experience is that most of them maintain their fitness standards well past when they leave. Yeah. Because they understand what it feels like to be fit. You know, and that can that could be that can rub off on a on a corporate culture when you get some military people in there and they, you know, and they eat right and they train right and they talk about it and yeah, you know, they're they're transferable skills. There's no doubt about that. If you do get the opportunity to get past the gatekeeper with your resume and get your foot in the door to an interview, then that's exactly what you want because you only get one chance to make a good first impression. So if yeah. you don't do it right and you don't look presentable, then you're not going to win that that part over. Now, then there's a the second part, and that's demonstrating that you can actually, through communication, talk about the skills and the other things that you bring to the table that the hiring manager is looking for within that position. And I think that's where you've got to be very careful too. And I think I mentioned a little bit with Tom that, 
when you're communicating, you've got to drop your jargon. You've got to drop all those things that you used to say within the military and adapt your language to how the private uh, sector speaks. Yeah, no, it's 100%. I think, you know, we've discussed it with Tom about the organizational skills that military members have. You know, they're able to prioritize their time management, Recording data. I mean, we talked to Brad the other day, and he was he kept a journal for every day or whatever it was through his career. I mean, that's that's no mean feat in itself. Um, yeah, so I think that that's they're those sort of skills that they bring as well. You know, those analytical skills and apply logic. Common sense is something that's probably more prevalent in the military, I would assume. Um, than in some places you would hope. <laughs> yeah. I think applying logic and time management, absolutely, because I think the time management piece of it is so critical oh, out here to. in the private sector. Yeah, you you start thinking about the things that you have to do out here, and especially with all the, the meetings, the pre-meeting, the post-meeting, the emails. And, I mean, you spend a lot of time on the phone and the whole bit if you're working within an office environment, I'm talking, in a business as opposed to working, say, in construction or something that's an occupation that's outdoors. But if you're working yeah. within a business environment, you're leading teams and you're spending a lot of your time doing things that are uh, planning for different sessions, creating PowerPoints, you know, doing Excel spreadsheets, whatever the case may oh, be. Oh, yeah. You're computer literate for sure. If you're not time management oriented, if you're not focused, it can easily get away from you. And uh, I, I think that's, again, one of the skill sets that I've seen a lot of military people definitely bring to the table. And when you said logic, I think the logical piece to me is, again, seeing the bigger picture. You know, you, strategy is different within the military because on the outside, we're focused very much on improving revenue and retaining customers and, and those types of things. Whereas in the military, it's a totally different type of strategy. And so... When you're thinking about logic, though, you're able to come into a situation, stop, assess, evaluate, and see the big picture of how all the pieces fit in. That's that skill set that you automatically bring to the table of being able to assess, see, let the data speak to you, or let the, the processes and the things that are going on kind of tell you where maybe we need to send the focus. And, yeah. and it's by doing the assessments that you had to do within your job in the military or in a combat situation. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. You know, I saw a job a job spec one day. It was for a senior management position, and I was considering going for it before I started going down the path of um, sort of life coaching and writing writing um, books. And it had on there um, leadership skills essential. And I thought about the difference between the military, you know, leadership and teamwork and then what that would mean to the private sector. And I, I asked when I was talking to the, the HR manager about what they required from the leadership um, perspective. And it was, oh, you know, just being able to tell people, you know, what to do. <laughs> and and I, I had a, I thought, okay, I probably don't want to work for your company is what I thought. I didn't say anything. But, you know, what, one of the things I learned as a platoon commander was how to effectively motivate people from diverse backgrounds, but also with different personalities. So one thing wouldn't work for another person, wouldn't work for another person. There'd be some of them that would just would just look at me and just disobey if they if they could, you know, and then others who are only too willing to go above and beyond the call. 
But I think that that's something when we talk teamwork in the military, we really are talking teamwork. We really are talking leadership. Absolutely. We, we, we really are. And especially from the leadership perspective, because, you know, taking people into battle at, at all elements of command, that leadership at all elements, you know, that is that is one of the probably the richest experiences the soldier or someone in the military can have is taking someone into battle and being in charge and being a leader at that point. And you just can't get that from being in a corporate um, business. It's not the same because people aren't looking looking to you to make decisions that are going to cost their lives if you get them wrong. Well, absolutely. And the teamwork within the military then is focused as well on the strengths and weaknesses of every individual. And so you're starting to get to know that individual well enough to see how that individual is going to react within certain situations. So hopefully you can help mitigate that. I think out here in the private sector, when they think of teamwork, they're thinking more of, you know, my team working across over here with this team, but not in the way that we're describing it down to the nitty gritty of each individual how each is functioning, getting to know those individuals. I think it's something that's missed. Oh, yeah, you need to understand their weaknesses and their strengths yeah. to get the most out of the team. And that's not that's not their, their weakness using Microsoft Word or PowerPoint. That's personality traits, right. things you can't talk about in the private sector. And you wouldn't talk about that even if you got a job in the private sector, but you would definitely – from a military background, you would definitely understand, from a leadership perspective, you would understand their personality traits and how that affects their work under different conditions. And that's a, that's a really complex skill to have, especially not to not start talking about it, to not focus on it, but to understand it. Again, this was one of those things for me when I came out into the private sector that I think was beneficial because when I started working together with human resources in the consulting position and later rolled on within strategy of operations and such like that, it was one of those things that was a gift to me as I was able to go out to different facilities throughout the world that we had mm. with for our company and to be able to assess the leadership quickly, assess what's going right or wrong within that organization, how it's going to fit with synergy with another facility, whether we could merge it. Again, it was yeah. that piece that you're talking about that it was natural for me to be able to walk into those situations and see that and assess it rather quickly. And the company and organization noticed that and took that and used that to their advantage, obviously. But it was also fun for me because it was something that was a skill set that I already brought to the table that the military had taught me. It, it yeah. wasn't like I was trying to create something, but it was an advantage because most people within the private sector did not have that kind of insight to be able to come into a, an organization like that and do it. Yeah. And I mean, what you're talking about communication in, in that regard and how many people in the corporate sector, like at the, at the level of an E6 are talking to generals. So, so who in the corporate sector is talking to the CEO and briefing them on things. Whoa. So that ability to talk up and down the chain of command and change your communication style dependent on the audience too, is that that's something that's, uh, that's taught through the military and practiced pretty regularly. Right. Like you're talking about those individuals having that skill that they've already had with uh, briefing generals or briefing officers and those types of things in staff roles. It's going to be very beneficial as well within when you come to the private sector because one of the things they're going to want to know is what level have you communicated with? So if you're somebody yeah. that says, well, I've communicated with you know executive level individuals, 
then they're going to start looking at you a little bit differently than somebody who has never done that. And yeah. that's going to help you as well within quickly assimilating within the private sector and maybe even getting a, a greater position of authority and income. Yeah, and I absolutely. That, that communication skill is something that I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for, um, especially being able to tailor it to the audience. I guess probably uh, linked to that is problem solving. You know, we don't give ourselves enough credit for being able to look at really complex problems and break them down into component tasks, really small component pieces, and then understanding how to solve a problem based on solving the little bits of it first, um, which is, you know, something you 100% have to do when you're in the military. You just have to by virtue of the fact that you can't surmount huge tasks without breaking it into its component parts. And when you think about project management, that's exactly an area where a lot of military really thrive because they're using those problem-solving skills. They're using those communication skills. They're building teams. They understand the diverse teams and how they have to work together, and a lot of that's going to be through networking. And I think that's where our real strength is for individuals who are struggling to try to figure out how their job is going to translate to the private sector. Think about the things that we just talked about and time management, problems, problem solving, the pluses that you bring to the table outside of the individual skill set. You know, I just was thinking then when you were saying about the, the, the other things that we bring that we probably don't really give ourselves enough, which credit isn't the right word, but there's things that we do that maybe the civilian sector don't understand. And one of those things is risk management. Oh, great. And yeah, I mean, as a, even before I was an officer, when I was a corporal, if I was running a range, so what's that equivalent to? E, E4 E4, or five, I guess. Yeah, E4. You know, I would have to do a risk management chart on what was going to occur on the range that day and then go down and brief all the safety staff. And then then as a sergeant, so we're now talking in E6, you know, I would then be running that whole range. And then and then as an officer, you know, you'd be the director of practice for multiple ranges running with ambulances stationed here, there, and everywhere, live, live fire, overhead guns, mortars going off, you know, helicopter gun, whatever you want to throw in it, you are running it. And the complexity of the risk management shouldn't be discounted because there's there's things that I've done si- since in like the national um, national infrastructure and you know power and and their risk management's very specific to the individual area that they're working and nowhere near as broad as something like a brigade you know range day where everything's going off all over the place, you know, all the different ranges. Or a mission rehearsal exercise where you've got multiple component parts, including players and aircraft. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you start putting all those pieces to it and all the different components is describing or you're laying out the operations order and all the different components. I mean, just even doing a, a movement, I agree with you. When you start thinking about all those pieces and that communication and how it works... You've got a pretty sharp individual at play here that you're talking about. Yeah. Now it's how do you communicate that though? Right on a piece of paper. That's the thing. And Tom Tom Moore the other day in the in the podcast, he was, you know, we maybe we didn't get right into it like we should have, but he did mention the fact that people have a 
sense of entitlement when they leave the military because they they have all those skills that we've discussed and so they feel that they should walk into a commensurate position but there is also the requirement to learn the environment again learn the area that you're moving into again bringing these skills across is great but you now need to learn the new setting the new environment and sometimes you just got to start at the bottom work your way back up so applying for a hundred jobs as you know chief of operations you know, when you've never set foot outside the military, it's probably not the smartest idea. You know, perhaps it is targeting those entry level to, you know, mid-management jobs and then making a name for yourself based on the fact that you have all these skill sets that you should be proud of. You, you bring it in in spades. You're right. just not going to, you know, shoehorn your way into that top job. I think that's where the benefit of going into a consulting type of role, if contracting, consulting, or something of that nature, where you could sell to the organization how you could use these skills in order to, to help them with whatever situation they're facing. And obviously, if you have yeah. a very strong network that you start mm -hmm. hearing from your network that they're running into situations that their current place of employment, and you go, hey, listen, there, there might be a clear opportunity here where I can help you. It allows you to get the foot in the door. It allows you to become an individual of trust. Uh, you network within that place of employment. They begin to see what you bring to the table, and then a role could possibly be created. It also, yeah. to your point, allows you the opportunity to see the big picture of the organization where your needs might fit in the most, and also understand how they interface with one another, how they communicate, those types of things, mm. so that you're that much further along when the opportunity comes, whether it's with that company or another one. Now you might be able to sell yourself a year later after doing that type of role to a, a yeah. totally different company at a totally different level because you have that experience. Tom did say that there's people out there in industry that are leaders that have come from the military. There's no doubt about that. But some of the most successful businesses that I've seen have been ones that have been set up by ex-military members together. Mm -hmm. And they have gone it themselves rather than going to the corporate world. They've set up private businesses. So mm -hmm. consultancy firms, you know, real estate ventures, thing, things of that nature. And I think they do quite well for themselves because they, they take those skills from, from their military training and they bring them to their civilian workplace and they create an environment to foster those skills as well. There are a lot of military people that become entrepreneurs and especially those yeah. who have been in the soft community because they they just tend to do very well in that type of environment and create their own organization, create their own company. And there are a lot of companies, as you mentioned, already out there that exist that you can belong to that are very veteran oriented or uh, military oriented type of organizations. But there are large companies out there that are not just military friendly but they really thrive on having military people because of the skills and traits that we just talked about. I remember Jack Welch used to be really big on military junior officers at uh, General Electric. And you know, GE yeah. was really big on bringing in military personnel for the project management area or for kind of an internal consulting team because of yeah. the skill sets that, that we're just talking about. Problem solving, risk management the ability to see across many different areas, the ability to communicate, build teams, foster teamwork, internally network, those types of things were skill yeah. sets and abilities that they saw rather quickly and wanted to, to, to play a part in. Wasn't it, wasn't it a 
Marine Corps or uh, West Point graduate that won the first apprentice. I think I remember at the time not being overly impressed, but thinking to myself, what this guy's really good at is using a whiteboard, actually. He's really good at putting a problem on a whiteboard and then, which is what he, the way his logic was working. So he was putting a problem up there and then allocating resources to that problem. And you know what? Going back to what we were talking about before, he was then giving tasks and holding people accountable to those tasks. And I think that's why yeah. he won that. I mean, his name escapes me now, but I'm pretty sure that it was as simple as that. If you start looking at everything that you do out here within the private sector, there are many projects. That's what they are. So yeah. we, we really try to put out fires at different areas, whether it's a customer complaint, uh, whether it's a, uh, a new opportunity that we need to evaluate, uh, whether it's creating innovation that can streamline us, uh, streamline us and make us better within the marketplace, whether it's taking a piece of the total market and increasing our percentage. We only have a certain percentage. And we want to increase that by X. Each of these things are mini projects. So if you start yeah. thinking about those things that we just talked about earlier and focus what your capabilities are, you're, you're doing a lot of what many senior people out here in the private sector do on a daily basis. Yeah. You've just got to be able to articulate that. Yeah. Now, that's not to say you're going to walk out here and walk right into an executive position. Don't get me wrong. But my, my point is that you have a lot to bring to the table, but you've got to think about how you would utilize that outside of, let's just say the skill that you acquired within the military that, you know, when they taught you how to work on aircraft or when they taught you how to, mm. you know, be in, in information technology, whatever the case was within your skill set, outside of that, you're bringing a lot of other things to the table that you need to figure out a way to communicate onto your CV, your resume, that'll allow you to get your foot in the door. And when you do get in the door, be able to have that story and communicate it like we just talked about that helps you get past the gatekeeper or the first people that's going to interview you to the hiring manager. Yeah. I mean, saying, you know, putting on your CV that, you know, you're an expert in hanging out the side of a Black Hawk at night on NVG strapped to a Hilo sniping bar with an <laughs> SR-25, you know, and providing that fatal shot in on a counter-terrorism mission probably isn't going to be as no. effective as saying something along the lines of, you know, I've been in leadership positions in complex environments and arduous terrain. You know, or, or you know, framing it in a different in a different way. Yeah. Um, but those experiences can be framed differently than what people than what people say. You know. Yeah, I tend to look at it differently too, as far as Tom talking about putting your military job title on there and your rank and all of that. I think some cases people understand it out here in the private sector. I believe that if you do that within a parentheses and bracket it and instead try to find a way that your position and what you did, how that relates to a specific job title out here in the private sector is much more beneficial. For instance, I yeah. actually took my skills, tried to figure out within the private sector, looking at you know different websites like Indeed.com or Munster or whatever the case may be. There are tons mm. of places out there where you can find positions that interest you that you match skill sets with and it's going to list a job title we'll start looking to see if you fulfill all of those job requirements and that you if you do and that's what you did within the military you might want to use that as the job title and then put your military job title in a bracket or parenthesis off to the side 
a civilian person can then visualize what it is that you did and how that relates to that job title and also see the level of responsibility that you had because it's very well spelled out. There are certain yeah. levels out here, supervisor, manager, director, vice president, but there are specific titles out here that people understand. Right. People don't always understand a specific military title. Like, no. I'm an electronic specialist. What does right. that mean? Yeah. Yeah, understood. I agree. So I think we covered a lot of great information here because we talked about all of the different traits and capabilities that individuals bring to the table that are outside of the just the skill set. Right. It's more than it's more than the personal qualities. I mean, having the integrity, you know, character, self discipline, and obviously being punctual, which we all are in the military. I mean, they're great personal qualities, but it's then the organizational skills and the leadership skills that allow you to work better in you know, groups than perhaps those people coming straight from school or those people, you know, who've, who are bouncing from job to job. And that's the other thing, too, is that I'm not sure if it's factual or not, but it seems to be that millennials are, are more likely to do a year or two years here and there rather than have that long commitment to a position and a job, whereas... You know, I, I would imagine people coming out of the military would do, you know, their, their time plus some and then and then perhaps they find a commensurate civilian job that they really enjoy. They'll probably stay there longer. Yeah. I, I mean, would, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it I don't feels either. to me like it probably is. It seems to make logical sense. I mean, because most of the people within the military sign a contract for, from anywhere from two to six years. And so you're talking about coming out here in the private sector. You, I would think you're less likely to to jump around every two years. So yeah. again, that if there's a way that you can articulate that, there's a way that you can communicate that somehow within the interview process, I think uh, it'll mm. go a long ways. I think you also need to ha build a strong network that can help you do the things that we're talking about to get your foot in the door. And to as Tom said, you need to be building that network a year out. Right, at least a year out. Yeah, so plan your exit the same way you plan everything a long way out and you know ha make sure you cover all the bases yeah totally which i didn't do <laughs> <laughs> i did I actually uh i planned out about 10 years in advance i knew the things that i wanted to accomplish that i hadn't yet done some of which was getting my education so i set out a, on an objective pick up some additional skill sets volunteer for certain level positions that would expose me to different levels to different experiences that would benefit me on my resume and when I came out into the private sector. So if you have yeah. the time to do that and you're really planning ahead, but don't mm. wait for the transition until the time for the transition because then even still you might be too might be too late in the process. Yeah, it's great advice. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies, and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. 
These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code mentors for mil or mentors the number 4 mil at skeletonoptics.com and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.